I'm a sky vagina, Taylor. And as of this pride, I am so happy to announce that the LGBT community has forgiven Jean Jacket. Jemmy. And this is the final Girl Files. This week should have been last week. So sorry about that, everybody. I had a cold and literally could not speak. We watched 2022's Nope, directed by our fucking lord and savior, Jordan Peele, starring Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer, Stephen Young, Brandon Piera, I believe he pronounced his last name, Michael Wincott, and again, our lord and savior, Keith David. Dr. Facilier in Dr. the house. Dr. Facilier himself, one of the only men I will ever love. <laughs> oh, bless, bless his animated heart. He's my Tumblr sexy man. He wasn't he, a Tumblr sexy man. He's everyone's Tumblr sexy he's man. He's my Tumblr sexy man in my heart. Fuck if he's not slur. your Tumblr sexy man, then you're doing Tumblr sexy man wrong. But we're not talking about Princess and the Frog. We are talking about Nope. Uh, we don't have a super low amount of trigger, trigger warnings to get out of the way, but they are fairly big ones. If you're someone who is uncomfortable with animal exploitation, animal cruelty, and definitely animal death, skip this one. It's not great. <laughs> for that yeah uh death of a parent and some pretty icky like uh i i i hesitate to say body horror because it's not really that but it's like nasty creature horror yeah in one sequence which we will discuss later Mm. so taylor this was your first time seeing this movie right yes it was uh because as anyone who listens to this podcast well knows i am so bad at watching new movies i'm very bad at it Even when I tell her, hey, you should see this in theaters, she does not. I don't. I simply don't. I just don't do it. And this is is how I shame you on this podcast. (laughs) Live on mic, I'm being shamed. Uh, But no, I adored this movie. Um, this This is a kind of situation where it's like, I, I can't believe that I am allergic to watching new movies because this is very for me in a way that is kind of different from other for me movies. And I'll get into it, but like Mm -hmm. Jordan Peele's reference points and my reference points are very similar. (laughs) So I watching this movie, I felt very understood. I felt Mm -hmm. like, what about you? I saw this movie in theaters. I saw it, I believe either the weekend it came out or somewhere around that time. I kind of regret not seeing it more than once in theaters because it's really like the sound design in this movie really hits in theaters. Like it still hits at home, I think. But in theaters, it's just like, chef's kiss, beautiful. I went to go see it with Jace and we were just like, oh, I, I do remember the lead up to this movie. Because there were, like, two trailers, right? And one of the trailers was really, like, good and sort of set the tone of the movie without really giving away the end of it. Or, like, the plot of it. Or even what it was really about. It was just sort of, like, the vibes. Mm -hmm. And there was a second trailer that was, like, your stereotypical, like, these days trailer where they must give away the whole fucking movie and the whole trailer. And I remember going out of my way to avoid that second trailer to the point where we got that trailer in theaters and I stood up and walked out of the theater because I was like, no, I want this. Like, I really liked the first trailer. I thought the vibes were cool and I don't want to be spoiled on anything else that this movie is about. And to this day, I haven't seen that second trailer still. (laughs) Good for you. You deserve that. 
but yeah, I saw it. I loved it. And I have watched it a couple of times at home now, including watching it a few days ago for the podcast. And I will watch it more in the future because it fucking rules. Yeah, I will absolutely be watching this movie more in the future because it is phenomenal. I am obsessed with it. Now, I, I struggle with this question, so I'm going to ask you. Oh, boy. I'm going to put you on the spot with this question that puts me on the spot. All right. Ranking Jordan Peele movies. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. It's terrible. I, I can't do it. I don't have an answer. I can't because like. <sighs> this is hard, but I'll try. I'll try like, to I do it. I can't pick my favorite. Because every time I rewatch a Jordan Peele movie, I'm like, oh, this is my favorite Jordan Peele movie. And then I'm like, but the other ones are great, too. Please try, though. I'm really interested. Okay, I'm not even going to think about it. I'm just going to go with the instinct that my brain is pushing me towards. And I'm just going to say, nope, us, get out. Ooh. That's my instinct. With the caveat that all of them are masterpieces. And, like, this is not to say that any of them are, like, bad movies. They're just varying (laughs) levels of good. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like Jordan Peele has not made a bad horror movie. No, this is all just like how I would rank them, not in terms of how good they are, but in terms of how much I personally enjoyed them. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, this might just be like, you know, when you watch a new movie and you come out of it and you're like, oh, this is the best movie ever. It might be just that I literally just finished watching Nope that I'm putting it on top. But Mm -hmm. my instinct right now is Nope Us Get Out. That's my order. What about you? Oh... I think it's, I I hesitate to put Get Out at the end, right? Because I think it's his, like, tightest movie. Mm, I think it's such, like, a spectacular directorial debut, right? Yeah, and I think that has to count for something. It's, like, the fact that it was his first movie and it was as good as it was. Like, that, that lends it some points. Because a lot of people's first movies are not great. Yeah. I think us, nope, and get out with again the caveat that they all fucking rule. And yeah. like, I, I super hesitate to put get out at the end just for the like because it's like they're all good. They're all good. I can't pick. I can't. Us does have Lupita Nyongo being hot. So us does have a- Lupita Nyongo being hot. That's true. But nope has Kiki Palmer being hot. Oh my god, Kiki Palmer's so f- And let's, also let's ha- playing can we have a, a lesbian. horny minute. Can we have a horny minute? She's so fucking hot in this movie. So oh my god. Oh, oh my, my god. god. Oh my Kiki god. Kiki Palmer, I don't I I don't know anything about uh Kiki Palmer, so I don't know if she's uh taken. Uh but if she is taken, I hope her partner can fight. Uh because Maybe that's Kiki Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that video so much. Maybe yeah, that is Kiki Palmer. Maybe that is have Kiki a, Palmer. Have a wonderful day. <laughs> she's interviewing people on the red carpet and she sees Megan the Stallion. Oh, 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 I know it ain't the stallion. <laughs> she's so funny. I love her. I didn't her. realize that was the same person. <laughs> yeah. Well, That's you're face really blind, good. so. That's really good. <laughs> so should um, we like actually talk about the plot of this movie? I think we should. Okay, but before I'm- we start, I do want to say her fashion sense in this movie, all of her outfits are fantastic. Uh, oh my god. So I good. literally cannot pick a favorite outfit because every single one that she comes on screen in, I'm like, new favorite outfit just dropped. But yes, let's talk about the plot. Uh, the Google plot we have is pretty... It's okay, honestly. It's okay. Okay. So we, we have... <clears throat> Let me take a sip of water quick first. 
lube up those vocal cords. Why do you have to say it like that? Because uh, I, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm crazy. I'm twisted. I'm like the junk. Because you and Jade are yaoi lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> Jade's always been a lady. Jade has like, always, always been into like when the penis is kissed, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that phrasing, by the way. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> <clears throat> a man and his sister discover something sinister in the skies above their California horse ranch, while the owner of a nearby theme park tries to profit from the mysterious otherworldly phenomena. And like, yeah, that's that's the plot of the movie. That's the plot of the movie. It's not getting into anything super deep, but uh Man Can we I, I don't even know where to start. I feel like we just need to start with the where the movie starts, which is Gordy. Oh my god. Like I think that Gordy did nothing wrong. Gordy did nothing wrong. Gordy is, however, fucking harrowing to watch in this movie. <laughs> I'm so scared of him. I hate him. He did nothing wrong, but that doesn't mean that I am not very afraid of him. Yeah, like... Can I just... I Before we get started, actually, I want to, like, shout out two video essays that I watched Ooh, while slay. getting ready for this podcast. They are both by Thomas Flight on YouTube. Uh, one of them is called The Real Villain of Nope, and the other one is called, I think, How Nope Tricks Your Ears. Ooh. And they're both very informative. They go into a lot of, like, stuff regarding the themes of this movie and some of the -the behind-the-scenes production. Uh, They're great. Give them a listen if you are interested in this movie at all, because they cover a lot. And they are. And also, Thomas Slight has, like, one of the most soothing voices I've ever heard. (laughs) I've never listened to his stuff, but I should. Because I love I love a video essayist with a very soothing voice. Let me just look. I have like I I can't even like find like I have so much to say about Gordy that I don't I can't like corral it all in my mind to to use a uh, theme appropriate word I guess. <laughs> yeah. So this movie starts uh, with the dialogue of the sitcom over it, which, yeah. like, when you watch it, this movie's so rewatchable, by the way. Up there with, like, I think all Jordan Peele movies are super rewatchable. Also, Brian Johnson movies. Uh, yeah, he's, he's very good at that. Knives Out. Because whenever I watch one of the Benoit Blanc movies and also one of Jordan Peele's movies, I find something new that I didn't notice last time. Hmm. And rewatching this movie, that like sitcom dialogue, which is just like hokey sitcom dialogue, like we've all heard it, some more than others. <clears throat> Florbo. Florbo. It's just like hokey sitcom di- dialogue. And when you first watch it, you're just like confused. Like you don't really know what's going on. Like you, it's just like the production, it's over the production logos. So we don't see anything. But when you're rewatching it, it's just, like so fucking chilling <laughs> to hear that, and then to hear the fucking disaster going on, and have that cold open on Gordy just like rummaging around the set in his bloody ass fucking sweater. Yeah, that was like really like shocking to me because 
going into this movie, I knew a few things. And by the way, we're going to be spoiling the hell out of this movie. So like. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Um, you know, just in case you thought we were going to get through this without telling you, just, no, we're going to be just completely going into everything. But uh, the things that I knew about this movie going in was that there was a chimp named Gordy that kills people and... Monkey. Monkey. (laughs) I knew that there was monkey and, uh, I knew there were aliens and that it was about horse trainers because I had seen one of the trailers where Kiki Palmer does the, like, Mm -hmm. you know... Where she talks about Edward Mybridge's uh, The Horse in Motion. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I was like, Ayo, shout out to The Horse in Motion. Um, <laughs> that's cool as hell. Uh, but again, Jordan Peele has all the same reference points that I do. Uh, but that was all I knew going in. I didn't know anything else about this movie. And so I was very like, how the hell does chimp kill people connect with aliens? And well, so when I saw Gordy in the opening shot of the film, I was like, well, that's already one of the most upsetting things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it's so like, and you just get fucking shoved into it. Yeah. Like, you don't get any preamble except I for that I was expecting dialogue. Gordy killing people to be part of the plot of the movie. My assumption going in was that maybe the aliens have some like mind control and are making the aminals go crazy. And that Gordy is one of the aminals that goes crazy and he kills people. That's what I thought. And then Jordan Peele said, oh, no, no. Oh, no, no. <laughs> It's worse. <laughs> it's worse than that. <laughs> so I was I was very going in kind of blind, but also not blind, if that makes any sense. Because some people didn't even know that there were any aliens in this movie at all. Um, or Gordy. But I still feel like I got kind of an unfiltered experience. Yeah, I remember seeing speculation about what this movie was about. Because we got the poster for it first. And it was the cloud that Jean Jacket is hiding in. Or mm-hmm. that is part of its disguise. With the like tail of flags coming out of it. And no one really quite knew what to make of it. I do know that there was a lot of like, oh, it's going to be like an Aliens kind of movie. Because there was an emphasis in the first trailer on people like looking up at the sky. Mm-hmm. Because... You know, that's where Jean Jacket is. And all, all of the all of the posters I remember are people looking up. Yeah, that's how that's the um the artwork on my DVD copy of it too. Mm-hmm. Is that poster. And I think that's a good way to go into this movie, honestly. Like I usually don't mind like spoilers or like seeing long trailers or anything, but man, there's just something about the way that this like mystery unfolds that really keeps you like engaged. And yeah, it's really good. Yeah. It's very, um, it's very engaging in that you, or at least I spent the entire movie kind of looking at it with this air of like, I have no idea what these things want and why they are here and what this has to do with the history of cinema and the abuse mm-hmm. of animals and and minorities in the movie industry. Uh, but I'm interested. Tell me more, Jordan. And boy, did he. Boy, did he. While we're talking, since we're talking about Gordy, I think we also should talk about Jupe, who mm. is yes. one of the, like all the characters in this are great, but I think Jupe gets more and more interesting every time I watch this movie. Jupe is so fascinating to me. Not in the least because Steven Yun is delivering one of the most like, de- like charismatic, like shitty guy performances ever. Totally. 
I love an actor who is able to deliver like charismatic showman, also like morally bankrupt person. Also sucks. <laughs> also sucks so hard. It's one of my favorite genres of fictional guy. And Steven Yun just fucking knocks it out of the park. Jupe is awesome. Yeah, he's great. I He's great because he's awful. <laughs> yeah, he sucks so hard. But God, do we love him. I want to like, I feel like being around him for an extended period of time would be insufferable, but I also do kind of want to hang out with him. <laughs> I also like do just love like a, a theme park or a tourist trap as like God. a setting for something. Again, Jordan Peele knows what I want to see. I love a shitty theme park, like a, oh, like a local fucking ugly ass theme park. Oh. And it's, it ties in so well with his character because even before we know about Gordy's home, right, we find out that he was part of some, like, Western fucking show where he was one of the minority sidekicks. So even before we know about Gordy's home, we know that one of the things Jupe does is that he takes experiences that were maybe not so fucking great or were exploited, like, where he was exploited and he turns it into something that he can exploit for profit. Mm -hmm. And I think that is such a good precursor for everything he does with the rest of this fucking movie. Yeah. I just, yeah. thank you, Jordan. I also love the design of Jupiter's claim. I love when a movie is able to communicate, again, just like doofy local tourist trap location. It's delightful. It's, it's barely even a theme park. There's yeah. no rides. No, it's, it's like a bunch of stupid little it's little houses. things. It's what? It's houses. It's houses. It's just, just stupid be walking little around houses. Displays and stuff, and like they they have a place where you can like quote unquote pan for gold and like horse shows and shit. Yeah, he did this I also mean, really well in uh, us with the the, the carnival. Mm. Just like very good. Just like Jordan Peele good. knows that we love to see a theme park or an, or a carnival or whatever as a setting for horror, and he's right. I love it every. I eat it up every time. Jordan, thank you so much for this fucking meal. He gets me. And then you know you get like closer to Jupe as a character, and you find out about his like little fucking room of Gordy's home memorabilia, where couples pay 50k to spend the night because to they're fuck so, in that room to fuck in that room because they're <laughs> so obsessed with with the tragedy that happened on that stage or in that studio insane uh yeah and i I'm... do i also love the detail that when oj which by the way daniel kalua as oj in this movie i fantastic love oj so much <laughs> he's slaying so hard I feel like OJ is a character, and I'll get back to what I was saying, but I just want to, I feel like OJ is a character that in the hands of another actor could have easily been kind of like bland and overlooked, but Daniel Kaluuya approaches the role with such a like grounded, like grounded, but also like gravitas. Mm -hmm. Like I, I just, he's so good whenever he's on stage, like he on stage on screen. Sorry. I Sweeney Todd. I'm in theater mode. I saw Sweeney Todd a couple of weeks ago and I'm still there. Uh, not the Broadway production, unfortunately, of local production, but no one cares. Anyway, whenever he's on screen, like there's something magnetic about him, even if he isn't saying much or really communicating verbally what's going on. 
he's very stoic, but he also like you want to like know more about him. I guess is what yeah, I'm trying totally. to say. <clears throat> I love OJ, and I like the way that he contrasts with uh, his sister Emerald, who is very. She's got a big old personality, and we love her. I love Emerald. She's delightful. Also, Happy Pride Month. She's happy gay, Pride and month. I love we, her. We love to see Kiki Palmer play, play a lesbian. Thank, thank you, She's Jordan. so slight. Honestly, like, I want more lesbians who are just, like, out here being lesbians. Like Truly. I know that people, like, this is, like, a cliche talking point at this point, but, like, I do love that this is not, like... You know, I love movies that focus on gay love. It's slay, but also like sometimes lesbians are just doing other stuff, and it's slay. Sometimes just we're it. just like doing it, you know. Sometimes, yeah, not, not, not like love, doing it, doing it. But. I also love the bit where she's talking to him, and she mentions something about seeing a therapist, and he goes, "Oh, you're seeing a therapist?" And she's like, "Yeah, I've been having sex with her for." <laughs> She's not seeing a therapist. She's seeing a therapist. I love that she's kind of a player because she mentions at least three different girlfriends in this movie. <laughs> and then so there's real. also there's also that point in when they're in the electronics store uh, where Angel works and like they're literally just like walking and talking with a cart and she just like briefly breaks away from the conversation to like flirt with a woman that they walk past. She's so real for that. Chad lesbian representation. Truly. Uh, I do also love her and OJ's dynamic. They're such fucking siblings. I love a good sibling relationship in movies. Again, anyone who listens to this podcast knows this about me. It's just, they're they're so pitch perfect siblings. It's beautiful. Anyway, to tie it back around to what I was talking about before with Jake. Yes. <laughs> I had to briefly talk about OJ and Emerald because they're both great characters. Angel is also a great character. We'll talk about him later. But Jupe, when OJ asks him, like, what actually happened on that soundstage, the only way that Jupe can talk about it is through the lens of an SNL sketch. He mm-hmm. can't, like, actually talk about what he experienced. He has to talk about it through a different medium. Yeah. And I think that's such a cool little character beat that Jordan Peele puts in his movie. I feel like also... It's so interesting to me how this character, like, this is such an interesting way of depicting somebody who is processing trauma as just like, well, he is refusing to process it, actually. He just refuses to even think about it at all. (laughs) Yep, he, the only, like, way that he sees any use for it is so he can make money. Yeah, you, you can, you can push it outside of yourself in order to profit from it. It's it's really cool that there's this person who takes being having been exploited and having experienced this horrible thing and just turns around and is like, well, time to become the exploiter of my own trauma. I'll yep. exploit it before anyone else has the chance to exploit it for me. Exactly. And in I think in his mind he feels and like I don't know if he even has the self-reflection to even be consciously thinking about this but at least subconsciously there is a level of like I'm getting in before anybody else can mm-hmm. um, and that's so fascinating to me because it's like again I love the idea of just like wow you really are dealing with this in all of the wrong ways. <laughs> it's just, you took, you found the worst possible way you could deal with this trauma. And you were Literally. like, I'm going to do this one, actually. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it a good way. I'm not going to, like, go to therapy. I'm going to open a theme park. 
what if I did that? Feed, what if I what if I fed horses to an alien? God, what if I fed horses to an alien? You know, many people have wondered what is the best way to process trauma. And I really don't know the best way to process trauma, but I can say that the worst way to process trauma is to feed horses to aliens. Yeah, it's definitely up there in the top five, at least. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> If don't, something horrible has happened to you, you could have dealt with it any other way. Don't feed horses away, to aliens about it. If you take away anything from our podcast, <laughs> let it be this. You could be coping literally in any other way. Um, can we I, talk about the scene where the aliens just come down in, during the show in front of the crowd? Because before we talk about oh, that. Yes. I want to talk about, I want to bring it back to Gordy mm. and talk about, like, we see a contextless flashback at the beginning of the movie. And then we see it again from Jupe's point of view. There are so many fucking layers to the moment where, like, Gordy, after going on his rampage, approaches Jupe, who is, like, hiding under a table. And does not see him as a threat because like the, the, the Watsonian reason that Gordy doesn't see Jupe as a threat, right? The in-universe explanation is because there's a tablecloth, like a sheer tablecloth between Jupe and Gordy and Jupe is not looking directly at Gordy. Mm -hmm. And that's supposed, I think that's supposed to communicate like the direct, the lack of direct eye contact is calming this animal. But there's this meta implication that because Jupe is another, like, exploited minority, and, like, we do see on the set of this sitcom, uh, Stephen Young, obviously, uh, Asian American man, Jupe is the only minority on, in the, the, the sitcom family. So I, I have to imagine there's some fucking plot line or whatever about how him, he's adopted or some shit. I don't know. But the way that Gordy like calmly reaches out almost in solidarity to Jupe. They to fist offer bump. The, the fist bump. And like Gordy is the source of horror in that scene until he's not. Like, yeah. once he gets shot, like, once you see, like, like the fucking police stuff, they come here and, like, shoot him in the back of the head, like, very graphically. He gets, like, shot, the blood splatters all over the tablecloth, and he falls. You realize the real horror is that he is just an animal acting like an animal that was forced into this situation, and he's being punished for being an animal. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, the, the real punishment should be for the people who decided to fucking bring a chimpanzee onto a sitcom set. And I missed this detail at the beginning, uh, the first time, because it's sort of in the captions, like there's, there's sort of chatter that we hear before they start shooting the scene. And Gordy's trainer is like waking him up. Like he, I guess he was asleep. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'd be ready to fucking snap too. If I was an animal, like <laughs> that, just got woken up from like sleeping had a fucking sweater forced on me and was being made to perform like yeah maybe i'd rip someone's face off too if i got pissed off enough yeah literally it's just it's such a good way to communicate 
the themes of this movie on so many different levels. And I, I just, I want to kiss Jordan Peele on the mouth about it. With tongue. There is such, al- like, there. there's also an interesting through line about practical versus uh, digital uh, technology on film sets, mm-hmm. which I find super fascinating because it made me think about the ways in which the advancements of technology uh, that are being used to create movies so easily could be used to make movies uniformly better and more ethical. And yet more often than not, what happens is that what, like, you know, the reason that a lot of CGI, like more movies now have CGI than practical effects is because it's cheaper because CGI artists are non-union and you can just outsource it to some, you know, like studio in the global South. And it's interesting to me that this movie is so, I, I don't, I don't, and like, it's such like a side kind of thing. It's not the main point of anything, but it, it did really, like that caught my eye in a way that I found very cool of like, Jordan Peele understands inherently that filmmaking is simultaneously about just a like creating a beauty and a kind of like magic and a kind of art, but also that oftentimes that magic and beauty and art comes at the expense of the most vulnerable people, animals, whatever, like this, the most vulnerable members of society. Yeah. And at its core, that really is what this movie is about. Yeah. I find it interesting. This was mentioned in one of the Thomas flight, uh, videos where he was talking about how Jordan Peele seems to be aware that he is critiquing what he is to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a really interesting bit. Hold on. Let me find it in my notes. Cause I forgot what exactly the there's okay. There's an interesting bit wherein uh, Thomas Lay was discussing the reaction to this movie of the public, right? Mm-hmm. And how Jordan Peele's first two movies has sort of set a precedent of communicating a hard stance on something. Yeah. Where Whereas Nope is a little more open-ended, it's a little more messy, and I think that's by design, because Jordan Peele is not looking to present any kind of solution in this in this movie, he's just looking to sort of explore a murky territory. Uh, and I think that, I think that makes it really interesting considering his other, like, but like I said, his other two movies are very much like, this is what I think about X social. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Social issue. Social issue. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I think also because, you know, I think that like the the past two movies that he's made a lot of um, like I feel like over the course of the movies, he has gotten progressively murkier in his uh, exploration of these social issues. Like, um, you know, in Get Out, it's pretty I I don't want to say it's black and white, but there are clear villains who are bad actors who are doing an evil thing, right? Yeah. And in Us, 
the idea is like, yes, there are bad actors who are doing bad things, but also you are like you general are like kind of culpable in your own way. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in this movie, it's even more like fucked up. Yeah, like it's critiquing the exploitation of like minorities in big budget movies while also being like a big budget blockbuster movie. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people aren't prepared for that. Um, a lot of people I, I don't think are prepared for the kind of like there I don't have a solution to this I'm just saying that there is a problem and we can work on figuring out a solution together but like I feel like like people I think in general are kind of bulk like they, they bulk at movies that don't have a neat little tie up uh, like to yeah. uh, like a sort of social problem yeah. But I think that's why those these movies are some of the most important because they make us think about these things. And I like think that we, there is a general trend towards when you're criticizing a movie where the like the the resolution of it is kind of murky to see that as a fault of the movie where cuz like I saw some people talking about this movie on Letterboxd who were like very disappointed by it and who were saying like, you know, it's, it's kind of silly to be saying these things if you don't have a solution. But, like, I think that there is a value in creating a piece of art that is simply saying, hey, this thing is an issue, and leaving it there. Yeah, like, I don't, hey, I, I don't, let's I don't have a conversation you... about this issue, right? Yeah. Like, I don't think it, it makes your argument weaker if you don't have the solution for <laughs> exploitation in Hollywood. Yeah, it just sort of presents that problem and is like, what are you going to do? Up to you guys what to do with this. Yeah, I think that um, it's a very kind of checkmate atheists or like checkmate leftists way of approaching any movie with a social message to say, well, well, if you don't have a solution for this, then obviously like your argument is weaker. And it's like, is, is it not enough that there is a problem? Yeah, exactly. Every um, social movement has a beginning. The beginning of the scientific method is that you have to propose that there is a question that needs answering. And in this movie, the question that needs answering is, Hey, why do we think that it's okay to hurt people in the service of making good art? Exactly. People and animals who are just... Animals don't know what the fuck is go- going on. Gordy I think didn't about know what that the fuck all the time on. when I watch a movie with an animal in it. I'm like, this animal doesn't even know that she's acting. She doesn't even know she's on a film set. I remember when the... Call of the Wild movie came out a few years ago and it had a CGI dog and everyone was mad about the CGI dog but I was like have you fucking read a Jack London book? Do you know the fucked up shit that happens to dogs in those movies? It is 100% more ethical to do a CGI dog than it is to fucking make a dog go on set and like do all this stuff even in a safe environment. Mm-hmm. You know? And like, yeah. yeah, maybe the CGI dog doesn't look like a real dog, but maybe it doesn't have to. Yeah, and I think that this kind of, like, what you're saying also kind of ties back to what I was saying earlier with this, like, hey, the the 
the addition of CGI in order to, you know, make a more ethical set for animals could just be a really great thing to, you know, not be exploiting animals on set. But then, because capitalism sucks, the natural Uh consequence of that is that human beings are being paid pennies to make the CGI animal. So it's like, no matter what you do, somebody is being fucking exploited. And that's the inherent issue with the film industry that Jordan Peele is commenting on in Nope. Exactly. Even the attempts to solve the exploitation are themselves exploitative. The Fuck. answer. So the answer, the, the real answer, here we go. You want the answer to Nope, how we, how we fix Nope? We dismantle capitalism. Boom. Solved it. Go. Solved Done. it. We solved Nope. We did it, kids. Nope. Ending explained. Just revolution. That's it. That's the answer. <laughs> Communist revolution. Guillotine, okay, baby. On. Laws or threats made by the dominant ethnic uh, group and a socioeconomic, whatever, Brennan Lee Mulligan. Thank you. Thank Um, you, Brennan. Thank you, Brennan Lee Mulligan. (laughs) So in one of the Thomas Flight videos, he brings up a really interesting point about the classic American Western movie and how that genre is used in Nope. And the thing about Westerns is that historically speaking, a great number of cowboys were black or otherwise uh, or other people of color. Well, yeah, uh, the, the word buckaroo is actually de- de- derived from the uh, Spanish word vaquero, which means mm-hmm. cowboy. Uh, and that's, it, it, you know, people trying to say vaquero who don't speak Spanish. It just gets anglicized into buckaroo eventually. And that's like the stereotypical cowboy word. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it all comes from somewhere. A lot of people don't know that. So at the beginning of the film, we have this monster predator that represents spectacle that kills the black cowboy, Emerald and OJ's father. And then you have Emerald and OJ who, in order to illuminate how he died, they have to get close to the thing that can chew them up and spit them out. Much like, you know, in order to fully and that's sort of how jordan peele like in order to fully illuminate this problem with the industry he has to engage with the industry to get this movie made uh and i thought that was a really interesting thing he expressed it much more intellectually than i did uh because i'm dumb and i can't talk but yeah that is super, super interesting. I'm also very fascinated by the idea of the Western as the classic spectacle film. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but like, if, if you're at all familiar with film history, basically, like, the best way to think about it is that Westerns at one point in the 20th century were culturally the way that we view superhero movies now. Yeah. Um, and it's so strange to think about because it's been so long since the Western was like a popular movie genre. Yeah. And like a lot of people don't realize that because they just didn't grow up in an era where that was like such a ubiquitous genre. But like the way that people now talk about superhero movies where it's like, oh, we have a billion of them every year and they're so expensive and blah, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like that's that's what Westerns were. I feel you were. looking me in the eye. <laughs> Through the through the uh, through the screen, I feel. Guys, like what I'm saying eye. is that if Jemmy had been a, like a, the age that she is now in the 1960s, she would have been obsessing over a, a lady cowboy in a, in a western movie series. I just I know this to be true. Um, and she I mean, been... Taylor, I have two words for you. 
I'm looking at him right now. Phantom Manor. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. We put it together, folks. We did it. This, you know, in many ways, you being Blurbo into Wanda Maximoff is the natural extension of uh, the the obsession with Phantom Manor. And in a, in a way that none of us, I don't think, fully grasped until this very moment. Um, Truly. Guys, we're having revelations live on mic. Uh, but Yay. My- <laughs> it, it all comes full circle, baby. It really does. The thing about having autism is that your hyperfixations will connect in ways that you really don't understand until you think about them for a little bit too long and you're like, oh, it's all connected. Ah, you know? <laughs> and then you have to go lay down for an hour. <laughs> but <laughs> what was I saying? Um, Westerns. Yes, Westerns movies. as the spectacle genre. The mm-hmm. big budget spectacle genre and i love that he went with a less obvious reference for that because i think it would have felt tacky if he had gone with what is currently the spectacle film genre jordan peele's the boys (laughs) oh my god Uh, yeah also the boys exists like you know if you want to do the boys already exists if you want to do what if the justice league was evil the boys it's a great show. Um, but don't, don't watch Brightburn. That's a bad one. <laughs> I've heard not great things. You Brightburn. We'll never do Brightburn on this podcast. Uh, oh, you say that, but I would love to do Brightburn on this podcast. Just to roast it mercilessly? Just to, ro- just to roast it. Just have a nice little thing bad episode. Aw. You know? Yeah. We should do that one day. A quaint little thing bad podcast. Every once in a to- while we need to sip Haterade in order to keep ourselves sane. Now I want to do Brightburn. Yeah, and see, I've completely changed your mind. This is the power of debate. This is what the marketplace of ideas is all about. Yeah, I just, I find it really cool that Jordan Peele went with a, like a, like a less obvious uh, reference point for spectacle cinema. And also I just like Westerns. I find them really culturally fascinating just in the way of, in the same way of horror films where it's like, what, what did, what did it say about society that everyone was really, really into cowboy movies at a certain point Mm. in history? I personally just would like to reach out and say, Jordan Peele, thank you so much for finally doing a movie for the horse girls. Okay. When, when he called Kiki Palm, when he called Emerald horse girl on the phone, I was like, oh, Slay, he gets things. He understands. He knows stuff. Horse girl. Horse girls are... See, that's the real reason why this is a great movie is because this is about the power of being a horse girl. It's true. This is about how being the weird horse girl gives you strength and power and makes you a cool lesbian Chad with a great fashion sense. I haven't quite gotten there yet, but maybe one day. (laughs) I think, honestly, like, low-key, like, I think you need to start dressing like that. I can't do bright colors like she can. I think you could. My entire wardrobe is black, Taylor. <laughs> I just think it would be slay. My wardrobe is like black and red and white. <laughs> no sometimes scoped. Oh, sometimes gray. Sorry. But I love westerns. Uh, I just think that they're so interesting. Because mm-hmm. so rarely do you have a genre that just simply does not exist anymore in the capacity that it once existed. It doesn't even exist in like, like you, you get like throwbacks to like stuff like, you know, certain subgenres of horror and like other genres. There has not been a, the last Western movie that I can think of was that like shitty Lone Ranger movie and this movie, obviously, but like 
Yeah, I, shitty, like, I can. Lone Ranger movie I can think with of a Johnny few in... comedies that have been like parodies of westerns, like that shitty Adam Sandler movie, The Ridiculous Six. Oh, but yeah. like, oh the the no, um, uh, Tarantino did one recently, The Hateful Eight. Well, yeah, but but Tar- Tarantino does his own fucking thing. Yeah, I'm just saying it wasn't super recent either. It was like yeah, a while ago. You but really it was recent. To- Recent to my horrible little brain, which does not function. (laughs) Right. Uh, Time isn't real for me anymore. Time isn't real for any of us. God. Hey, Taylor. There's an alien in this movie. God, there so is. Again, the LGBT community, specifically me, has forgiven Jean Jacket. I think that- We have barely talked about Jean Jacket. I fucking love Jean Jacket. Jean Jacket for president. Jean Jacket slay. Jean Jacket should be the Bugs uh, vice president. Oh my god! Throwback! Everybody listen to our episode about Lords of Salem to find out what we mean by that. I think the design of Jean Jacket is so fucking cool. It's so cool! Like, it's very... Like, listen, I know you... I I know you hit me up saying that Nope did for vaginas what the lighthouse did for penises, (laughs) and you're right. Sky uh, pussy! But when I think of Jean Jacket's like full like final form, I honestly think more like biblical angel. I mean, biblical angels can look like pussy. Well, yes, Taylor. Yes, they can. Biblical angels can look like anything, including vaginas. Put that on a shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I, I think that's interesting in the sense of like, you know, angels when they show up in the Bible are all be not afraid. And there's there's a thing about looking at them, right? I don't. I, I'm not a big. I'm Catholic in theory. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe someone who knows like more about is... the Bible should correct me if I'm wrong. But maybe I'm gonna be really fucking mad if that's just something that like supernatural did. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yeah. I'm gonna be really mad if that's true. It probably is. Now that I think about it, so uh, I actually hate everything, and I'm quitting this podcast now be not afraid be not afraid of this pussy of this pussy that's what i say before i have sex (laughs) i open my legs and i say be not afraid (laughs) also i gotta say it it is a crime that this movie was not up for sound design okay a sound design oscar so real so crime fucking crime when jordan peele did and this is what um the other uh, Thomas Flight video talks about a lot. So when Jordan Peele was recording the screams for this movie, he, or what he, you know, when he was directing the sound designer, you know what I fucking mean. He asked the people he was recording first to scream like they were on a roller coaster, like they were having fun, and then to scream like they were getting eaten by an alien monster. Ooh. And blended them together. Ooh. And I think that is so fucking cool. Also, uh, the sequence where the audience at the Star Lasso experience, which is Jupe's big show where he's trying to show off the aliens and how well he can control them, which goes about as well as you'd expect. Yeah. Bad. It's bad. Hey, Taylor, it's bad when it yeah. shows the inside of Jean Jacket. It's real bad. I don't like to look upon it. Um... It reminds me of, and this is really stupid, <laughs> but it, uh, when I worked at a haunt, right? Mm-hmm. There was a local haunt that I worked at for a good couple of years. The last thing that our guests were gonna were 
were supposed to do to get out of the haunt was to go through what we call the tight squeeze. And it was really just two big, like inflatable pillows pushed tight together and you had to push yourself through them. And I think Jean Jacket is just God's worst tight squeeze. (laughs) Jemmy, you know, God didn't make that. God loves all his creatures, including Jean Jacket, who has been forgiven by the LGBT community. (laughs) When all of God's creations sing, will Jean Jacket not be a part of the choir? Exactly. (laughs) (sighs) Can we leave it off there? I I think that we should. I think that I think we've hit all the points. Jean Jacket. There's so much more to talk about with this movie, but we're already at an hour. I think we need to just leave it off there. Do you want to read some letterbox reviews? I would love to. Beautiful. So uh, I do a segment on this podcast called Live Laugh Letterboxd, where I read funny letterbox reviews. Uh, there were some really good ones, I gotta say. Oh, I can imagine. Uh, so first off, Tyler says, this movie does for cloud spotting what Jaws did for swimming. Five stars. True. True. Holly says, that feeling when you're so hungry, you could eat a horse. Four stars. Fucking... I guess, yeah. (laughs) You know, you ever been that hungry? Sure. Uh, Lily says, Jupe would definitely try to sell Gordy NFTs. Oh, you're so right. (laughs) Oh, I hate that. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, he's such an NFT guy. He is. He so he's is. He's such an NFT guy. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> uh, Grace says, try not to feel sympathy for the killer chimpanzee challenge. Parentheses. I failed. I also failed. Brian says, a massive spectacle-filled popcorn thrill ride that gives the audience exactly what they want to see. Kiki Palmer throwing Sour Patch Kids at a praying mantis. Truly. Truly. Sri also says, Kiki Palmer, oh. also Kiki Palmer doing the fucking Akira slide, which is apparently almost impossible to do. Uh, She's so, so that's real for great. That. She's so real for that. Sri says, Dune gave us sand butthole. Nope gave us sky butthole. I'm excited for no- for ocean butthole. It's gonna be Aquaman too, man. <laughs> oh shit! It is. Oh. It's the only thing that movie's gonna have going for it. No, that's not true. Patrick Wilson will be there. That's true, but also DC is like crashing and burning. Juicy Pat will be there. And I will we see. We love it. Juicy Pat. I'll see it for him. He looked so. Okay, sidebar, guys. Juicy Pat was so unfuckable in the first Aquaman, and I've seen pictures of him in the second one, and they fixed it. And I'm very. Thank you, James Wan. Thank you, James Wan. Thank you, James, for taking your criticism and uh, doing something about it. Now, James, I need you to listen to me now. <laughs> you gotta go to GameStop and get Bambi for the PS2. No, James, I need you to be fucking delicate with my father. <laughs> be so, so nice to him. James, I'm serious. I can't take another two hours of sitting in a theater stressed out of my mind about this man and his stupid tendency to run into danger. I can't do it, James. Why'd you have to call it Last Rights, James? Why'd you have to do that? So the, I'm the, scared. The final letterbox review that I pulled for this movie. Maybe one of the best I've ever done in this segment. Please. It's from Letterboxd user Drew Phillips09, who simply says, I want to have sex with the alien. Is that weird? 
And there are, I shit you not, 176 comments. <laughs> I hope they're all reassuring this wonderful poster that it's okay. You no. can want to have sex with G-Jacket. I'll tell you, they're not. <laughs> Someone just goes, seek help. <laughs> Someone goes, saucer form or angel form. Not that it, that, not that, that makes it any better. Oh, it's all, it's all monster fucker rights until somebody doesn't want to fuck a hot monster. <laughs> it's we all- need to sta- We need to stand behind our brothers and sisters, no matter what monster they want to fuck, you cowards. Someone just goes, that hole is way too big, unless your cock is the size of the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> well, with that attitude, yeah. Listen- we can't all want to fuck cute little cat girls who are just girls, but with cat ears. Some of us want to fuck the alien. Some of us want to fuck Jean Jacket. Not we me. We can't even all. Not me. We can't but some even of us. all want to be people who want to fuck like werewolves or like, you know, scary monsters. We need to have the super inhuman monster fuckers. We need to stand behind them. We need to support them. If you want to fuck a concept, you're valid. And with you that. Are sa- you are safe. In this podcast, no matter what monster you want to fuck. Spiritually, I am wrapping my arms around you. You are safe here, my sweet child. Anyway, um, what would you rate this movie? <laughs> I think I gave it four and a half on Letterboxd. Uh, and I'm going to stick by that. It's, yeah. it's not like a, it's not like a, uh, Jemmy classic, as you might call it. But it's a movie that I love and enjoy and it will definitely watch multiple times in the future. Yeah, agree. I'd say four and a half. Definitely uh, is is very for me in a lot of ways. Um, Jordan Peele, if 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 you're okay with this and if your wife is okay with this, I'd like to kiss you with tongue. Thank you, Jordan. Again, I also kind of want to kiss his wife with tongue. Chelsea Peretti is so hot. Yeah, good for him. Good for God. Fucking good for them. They both scored. Good for them. Good for them. You ever see a celebrity couple and you're like, wow, both of you hit the jackpot. Good for you guys. Yeah. That's Jordan Peele and Chelsea Peretti for me. I cannot imagine what like dinner time is (laughs) in the Peele Peretti household. God only knows. God only knows. I want to be a fly on the wall. I think that I think that they should have a reality show. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, if you haven't gotten your fill of alien monster fucking, boy, oh boy, do we have a treat for you coming up next time. The way that I'm making a live slug reaction face because I know the movie that we're doing and I don't know if (laughs) I'd describe it as an alien fucking movie. (laughs) You probably wouldn't, really, but uh, I'm saying it anyway because I'm brave. It can be if you're so, so real. Someone has to step up in this economy and say these things. (laughs) Anyway, we're watching John Carpenter's The Thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I'm seeing now on Google, friends, it's on Tubi. Woohoo! Guys. It's on Tubi. Guys, th- these are the ways that we're winning right now. So until then, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at FGFpod. And if you want to help us out, you can give us those five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, do whatever it is you need to do on your podcast platform of choice to let us know you enjoy what we did here today. And we will see you next time for The Thing. Bye, everybody. Bye.